Mindset Podcast, where we share things of interest to us and hopefully to you. So let's get started with episode number 78. This week, it's Daisy's turn to share something with us. Daisy, what do you have? Well, Terry, this week, I thought I would branch out into some new podcasts. And as you know, that doesn't always go too well. (laughs) when it comes to finding something to tell you about in a reasonably concise way. So, well, one of them, I'm not going to tell you about one of the ones I tried with because I'm going to persevere with it a bit more. But I listened to a couple of episodes. They're not crazy long, but they're not short either. You know, you're, you're listening to about an hour's worth And they're just, you know, there just wasn't really anything I could pull from it. So I got a bit frustrated and I thought, well, I can't resort back to one of my quick ones. I'm determined to find something else. So I looked through a podcast that I rather like that I've listened to some conversations on before, but isn't particularly an easy one for things to share. But this episode jumped out at me because it's with a guest who you've used with one of your episodes that you shared with me. So this podcast is called How to Fail with Elizabeth Day. And she has conversations with people about lessons they've learned from their quote unquote failures. And this was episode number 78, where she spoke to Glennon Doyle. So this jumped out to me because you did an episode, I think, talking about some things from her book, Untamed, if I remember rightly. And she was talking a little bit about the book. I found it a very interesting episode to listen to. It wasn't a very easy one to find things to share, but there were just a couple of things that jumped out to me that I thought would be good talking points, basically. So unusually for me, I have just one page of notes (laughs) with these two sort of terms that she talked about. But I would encourage you, if you like Glennon Doyle and her work, if you like the sort of work of Brene Brown and that sort of vibe. It was that kind of episode. You know, I found it interesting. I found it interesting hearing a bit about her story and how the book came into being and some useful words of wisdom. But the two things that I took from the episode, the first one she talks about, and I think this is something that she talks about in the book. I confess I have not read the book, so I don't know uh, what she calls knowing. And basically, from what I could make out anyway, this is just a sort of listening to your gut, your gut instincts, listening to that inner voice that we all have. And she talks about it as that thing inside you that knows the truth. And I'm pretty well quoting word for word what she said here. She says it's it's about listening to your internal rather than the external world. As the process of diving inward and feeling around for that nudge or a directional pull that always guides you to the next right thing. She says in every moment of uncertainty You need to resist the urge to look outward and instead look inward 
and feel around for that next right thing. Learn to trust this inner knowing that will consistently nudge you towards the next thing that's right for you. One thing at a time. And she refers to it like a yellow brick road that is going to lead you all the way home. And more often than not, we know what the right thing to do is. And if we sit down, if we can only sit down and shut out that external noise, that noise from the external world, and instead listen inward, we know what the right thing is to do. So that's the first one. (laughs) The second one, it was quite interesting because the first one is all about looking inward. And the second one is taking feedback. So it is listening to that outside world but she was really funny about this and she talked about feedback categories and she was talking specifically about um, her own story and the feedback she got but she really was talking specifically about getting feedback as a woman and how it differs more often than not uh, for feedback for men and she was saying she has these categories And the first one is you get feedback about your appearance. Number two, your worthiness that relies on your standing and your relationships. Number three, your personality. And then number four, your work, your output, your art, whatever it is, what you're putting out there into the world. And she says it's basically you need to disregard the first three. It's all about the the fourth one and it's a process and you need to go through the process often starts with defensiveness and tantrums and exhaustion. But she says if you can sit with it long enough to get to the good part and then be brave enough to face it, you'll come out with something good at the end. She says a common mistake that a lot of us make is to reject all criticism, especially when it's bundled up with those first three. She says we need to be brave enough to listen to that last one, but (laughs) only if it's not mean-spirited. It needs to come from a true place. Is it direct or is it nasty? If the latter, reject it. Feedback needs to be delivered with respect And the hurt needs to be felt in a true way rather than a mean way. And usually you already know in your heart of hearts that the feedback you're getting is probably true. She she talks about some examples from her own life. Just one more point about that. She says when it comes down to men versus women talking about the work that they're putting out, The question when it's a man who's put the work out is, is his work worthy? But when it's a woman, it tends to be, is she worthy of the work she's putting out? So she was talking around this subject about there's these, you have to get through the hurdles of these first three before people will actually talk about your work. And that's part of the process that you have to go through to get to the important feedback, which is in this fourth category. She's big on having categories for things. I got the impression um, from this interview. 
So that's it really. Those two things that I took from it that I found quite interesting that I thought might be something that you would find interesting too and we could have a little chat about. Well, Daisy, I'm thinking that, you know, having not listened to this, I don't know how she connected this or made sense of it. But as I I listened to, I was kind of thinking about the overall kind of learning from failure or learning how to fail and do okay with that is that the first part you described is kind of that inner trust. Because I think for many of us, as soon as we hear the word fail, it means bad. It means devastation. It means being stymied or stuck somewhere versus it's doing an attempt at something and learning from the feedback. But I think a lot of us still get caught up on the word fail as meaning like it's final. It's the finite thing. Boom, you're kind of dead in the water. Yeah, you're a failure rather than I failed at doing something. What can I learn from it? And I think, you know, all of the people you and I've shared feedback about in the past all seem to kind of have that sense of it's good when I fail because then that's when I learn. And that's how I gather information about what it is that I'm working on about myself in relationship to it and how to approach it differently, how to improve it. And I think for so many of us, that's the hurdle is not to personalize it and instead to see it as this is a good way for me to grow and learn new things. But I think that's challenging for us as people, Um, a little bit easier to just kind of stop at failure and also why we fear it happening so much because we fear it means something bad about us. It points out a lack of capability or something. I just think there's so much that we all could learn about trusting ourselves and that sense of knowing. Yeah, I think that's quite a strong thread I got through it that, yeah, it's learning to listen to that part of you that does know what the best next step is. And it's also the part of you that knows when you get feedback especially if it's criticism, that you tap in, I guess, to that balance of knowing that you're not a failure, that you might have failed at something or you might have not done as well as you like to do. You're getting this criticism about something. So there's something in there that you can improve and that that's okay that, you know, hold on a minute before you get defensive and before you start thinking you're a failure, just put that to one side and let's listen to what's being said here. Mm -hmm. But that when you do hear that criticism, that actually you probably knew it, there was probably something somewhere in you that was kind of expecting that maybe or that isn't really surprised to hear it. But what I, what I also really liked about it when she was talking about this feedback was for you to really clearly identify the parts of the feedback that you shouldn't be listening to. Mm-hmm. You know, if somebody's giving you feedback about your work and they're talking about your appearance, they're talking about your personality, they're talking about you personally in any kind of way, well, you need to be strong enough to just, just disregard that. <laughs> That's not 
feedback. That's not the feedback I need. That's not the feedback you should be giving. I'm going to listen to the part of your feedback that is valuable and you can keep the rest. Thank you very much. And in some ways, I think with that, I don't have a better phrase for it, but maybe something like, what's the stretch point for me based on this feedback? What's the encouragement coming out of the feedback? So let's say, for example, I gave a speech and I don't know, I used too many ums while I was speaking. If someone just gave me the feedback and said, yeah, your speech was good, but you had too many ums in it. If I get bogged down in that and start to think about what does this mean about me as a speaker and now no one's going to want to listen versus, oh, that's a stretch for me. How can I work on being more aware of those verbal pauses and working on doing fewer of them the next time I do a speech? It's what's the stretch? Mm, I like that. And I know we, we hear this, but I think a lot of us struggle with really incorporating this way. It's constructive feedback, mm. meaning to build us, move us forward, help us grow. And so the more we can work on not being stopped by it as a defeating shutdown of you know, a critical thing about us versus, oh, I can stretch with this. I can, I can practice that. The other thing that she was saying that was, well, I think is universally important, but that was important with her. She has a very select group of people she trusts and will listen to their feedback in the first place. So, and I think that's something to identify. We've talked about this before, I think, maybe in a slightly different light, talking to the right person for the right thing. Like I would take constructive criticism, feedback, whatever you like to call it, much better from you than I would from, I, I can't think, and I'm not, I'm not gonna give an example because it's probably not fair, but you know what I mean. You think about your feedback, your careful with how you put it across and although sometimes quite often because that's usually my natural reaction is to get defensive you give it in such a way that I'll usually rein myself in from getting too defensive go away and think about it mull it over and come back with it so I think that's and that's another thing it's not just about getting through all the horrible part and listening to the nugget in there that's useful. It's choosing the people you go to for that kind of feedback, especially if you're looking for constructive criticism, which, you know, often when you're putting out some kind of piece of work like that, especially if it's a creative piece of work, you're looking for criticism, aren't you? This, this is why critics exist. And again, just even those two words, you know, and I don't know whether we need to use one or not the other, but words come to mean something to us. And so looking at criticism as feedback, looking at feedback as criticism, I think most of us, when we think of the word criticism, it means making us smaller, boxing us in, pointing out flaws versus it's a critique. It's a fine tooth comb looking at ways to improve and mm -hmm. ways to grow, which is the same thing feedback is. 
It just sounds different. Because as soon as you put constructive in front of it, Mm -hmm. it doesn't sound so bad, does it? The other thing I would think of, as you said, whose feedback you listen to, I think is also a really important thing. Like you said, does this person provide feedback in a way that is supportive and nurturing, even though sometimes difficult to hear? And the other piece is, is this someone that I trust or give credibility to in this arena? Mm. So let's say, for example, you and I, this is always kind of a fallback for us, but you know, you and I started our relationship because of an approach to eating and health. So if I'm talking to a friend completely outside of that approach to eating, and they have some criticism about what I'm doing. I believe it's important to take a look at how much do I respect their approach as a factor to decide how much their feedback weighs. Mm. So let's say, for example, um, I was talking with someone who was really unhealthy, really struggling with their weight, and I said that I was doing this way of eating for my health and my weight and they criticized it. How much credibility am I giving that voice? It's an opinion. They follow different belief than I follow. But I listen to people really be shut down by that. Mm. You know, while they're trying something new in their lives. Well, but you know, my sister-in-law said this and you know, so-and-so told me this about it. Okay. Do you respect their stance on this issue overall? On that subject, yes, because it it doesn't mean that you don't respect their opinion and judgment on another subject. Mm-hmm. It's where it gets really tricky, isn't it? When you're talking about somebody that you have a close relationship of some kind with and they're very critical of something that's important to you, it's difficult to take. But that's... That's, I guess, is part of the key, is not to take it. Yeah, I'm not going to take this criticism that is, one, is not constructive criticism. It's just flat out criticism. (laughs) It's critical criticism about something that's important to me that you know nothing or very little about or have an opposing opinion about and you know, that sometimes there's just no point is there in getting into it with somebody. Mm-hmm. You know, I can remember telling somebody a bit about some fasting that I was doing. Well, that's, you're just starving yourself, aren't you? And I could say, right, okay, should we talk about something else? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's a good point that you do need to weigh up whether their opinion does count. And interestingly, I think sometimes, because sometimes we don't always seek feedback, but we get it, Mm. unsolicited feedback. But let's say, for example, I'm talking about kind of my, whatever you want to say, philosophy or spiritual way of making sense of things, and someone else tells me that makes no sense. I don't need to get into a deep argument with them about it, but I often find a discussion like that will prompt me to dig in a little more into what I'm doing, Mm. test it out a little more, learn a little bit more about it. Mm. Again, not because I'm going to go back and argue with that person. Try and disprove it a little bit. Yeah. Like you say, test it out. Support my own place in Mm. that rather than, oh no, someone 
you know, this person thinks that this is the wrong way to be approaching life. Oh, maybe it is wrong. Maybe I should do it differently. Versus, wow, thank you for that feedback. Because now I'm going to go dig in a little more and see. Prove to myself. Do I need to know more mm. about it? Mm. As we're talking, the thing that keeps kind of circling back for me is, and I can't say that I'm have perfected doing this well, because I certainly can have my feelings hurt very easily. I can get defensive. I can feel defeated. So although I still struggle with those things, the more I can look at my decisions and the steps I take as opportunities to learn. And I will either learn because it worked well and it moved me forward, or I will learn because it didn't work well and it moves me forward in a different way. Either way, it's worth doing. So that idea of trusting ourselves, trusting, taking the risk. Because if you really think about it, if we let ourselves get too much in a place of fearing the feedback or the input that we have somehow failed, we will start to limit ourselves on what risks we take. Yeah, and I think there's often the real fear of making the wrong choice, isn't there? I mean, it becomes more obvious when you're making a big decision about something. But just going back to the first point, this knowing, the listening to the voice inside that, you know, nudges you in the right direction. But I like what you were saying about just approaching things with curiosity and a potential learning experience. I think because I've been in that place where you've got to make a decision about something and you're so worried about making the wrong choice. But if you think and if you know that you're going to learn something, whichever choice you make, even if it turned out not to be the better of the two, I think that can just be a little bit more helpful when you're confronted with it and you're doubting yourself, you're doubting that that inner voice that is telling you which one you should go for. Mm-hmm. Put a little bit less pressure on yourself sometimes. Absolutely. Okay, well, that was something a little bit different. <laughs> Not my usual reams and reams of notes, just a couple of things that I took from Ed good podcast. I've listened to a few episodes now with some really interesting people. I'm trying to think of the guy's name, something like it's Mo something or other. It's a really moving episode where he talks um, about the death of his son. Sounds very depressing and it's not as depressing as it sounds, but there's some real interesting conversations. So I would recommend going and checking it out. We'll have to add it to the list when we do our next podcast we listen to episode. (laughs) We will. (laughs) And my favorite Adam Buxton is on there. So what more could you you want? (laughs) All right, everybody. I hope you have a great week and we will be here again soon. Have a great week. Mm